lads welcome back to the stoji lads podcast we have a super super cool guest today i think i think you guys will see uh john huber welcome so much to the show welcome man yeah, my pleasure to be here is it the question is do you think i might be cool and you think <laughs> you've got a cool g- i i didn't know how to think that initially but i was also wondering there which way you're going yeah <laughs> backhanded compliment a little bit no i think so. our audience will that don't know will find out that's that's how i meant to yeah. word it but you know yeah let's just assume they don't know so we'll go with that all right okay. so yeah thank you so much for coming man thank you Hey, thanks for having me, man. It actually it worked out really well. I get uh, I get some requests uh, for podcasts and stuff like that, but I guess the the key to the equation is actually having somebody do it from Sweden because you guys <laughs> are seven is. hours ahead. I could do it in the middle of my day instead of in the middle of my night because some exactly. of exactly yeah. ones in the states. It's like, yeah, are you available for a podcast when Friday at nine o'clock at night? I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't think so. Yeah, that's so, a blessing. In yeah, this is also better for us because we're not like, or we we do our things in the middle of the day and then are free during the night. Exactly. So what are your things during perfect. the middle of the day? What what do we do during uh, the day? Yeah, you're so I'm. A, yeah, um, exactly. But uh, full time now, I'm studying in in Lund in the south of Sweden. Um, so I guess that's what I'm doing. I'm at school. Good to uh, be. What are you studying? Not as exciting. Uh, mechanical engineering. Lovely. Uh, yeah. Good for you, yeah. man. Nice yeah, I'm enough. business business student uh, studying business uh, in Stockholm, so yeah, full time student as well. You guys, you guys really are lads. You're like what? Like we really are young. Like, are you old? <laughs> <Yeah. to smoke? laughs> it's legal to do this podcast. Yeah, I mean, wow. exactly. Yeah, yeah, the one that really busts our balls on that all the time is is Jose Blanco. He loves to to make fun of us for being young. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, everybody's younger than Jose Blanco. Yeah. So <laughs> that is true. Here it is. <laughs> all right. So so this sound like Jeremiah. <laughs> True. Right. It's yeah. Like it. So yeah. Speaking of, yeah. of old age, getting into uh, you know, do, do you remember your your first cigar? We like to ask about that. You know, to bring it back old memories. Is, is that the introduction? <laughs> speaking of old age, do you remember your first cigar? <laughs> I felt like well, we were a little, on a little ball busting uh, vibe. Wow! So I wow! To keep wow, it going. wow! Okay. Uh, no, but, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I remember my first cigar actually because uh, Tim and I talked about that on our podcast we just mm, launched yeah. and here's a shameless plug right. but we we started our own podcast yeah, Tim we saw that. I, yeah Ozheads, and we talked a bit about it but yeah my first cigar was a macanoodle hyde park okay. back in 95 ish mm. probably 95 96 right like my first was park. also uh was a macanoodle yeah but a, a it was also my that. last macanoodle as i said on our really? podcast so <laughs> yeah it really was it really was, but uh, it was my gateway drug into the world of premium cigars. But did you and after like it? that, of course, I fell in love okay. with it, man. I just, yeah. I mean, I fell in love with cigars when I walked into a cigar store almost by accident mm. in mm-hmm. a place called Uptown Smoke Shop here in Nashville. It's yeah. no longer Uptown Smoke Shop, but at any rate, as soon as I walked into the humidor and I had that that smell of like the cedar and the tobacco, and it was just like. Honest to God, it was like one of those epiphany moments where like in the cartoons, the light bulb goes over yeah, yeah. the head, you know, and, and I just knew immediately I was that was it. Wow. And I, it was like, that was it for me and never looked back. So, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. But I, I graduated from the, the uh, Macnado Hyde Parks into, I think I'm trying to remember what the other cigars I bought along the way. It was like Leon Jimenez, oh, uh, Avo. Avo was a big spend for me. I remember... Mm-hmm. Back in the old days, um, <laughs> the Avo number two, which was a six by 50, I remember, I think they were priced about six and change. And to me, that was like all the money in the world. I would like scrape up my money to save 
to buy one abo number two and i was yeah. like i thought you know i was king turtle shit mountain smoking wow. an abo so. <laughs> but um, yeah it was it's been a journey for sure cool yeah i feel like mechanoodles were a lot of people's first like it was at the 90s or do you know about what year that would what year that would have been yeah it was 90s it was uh like like i said like probably 95 okay late 95 ish okay. okay so in their heyday yeah. for sure yeah all right so another question about you know uh those earlier days because you mentioned in a podcast but i couldn't figure out what it was you went because you went to la to study did you like did you go to college in la or what what um what did you go to do? Hence the studying portion of that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I went to, so I, I was 17 at the time and oh, wow. I, I, I left. I grew up in San Francisco okay. in the city. Okay. And then yeah. um, I went to the University of Southern California mm. to study, initially to study uh, cinema and film because I, okay. when I was in high school, I got into video production and it, I became very good at it. And I was like, this is really kind of what I have a talent wow. for. Anyway, long story short, like a lot of people in their collegiate career, I bounced around from cinema to business to undeclared to finally um, exercise science, which is like physiology, mm -hmm. biomechanics, kinesiology, because it was my easiest way to not go to class because I was heavily into working out at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, everything that they were teaching, I already kind of knew as far as like calories and, and all this stuff and okay. nutrition. I was like, I already know this. I have to study. <laughs> So that's what I did. Um, and then I graduated USC. Well, I didn't graduate. Actually, I, I left early okay. a few, uh, you know, a few classes short, but I was like, I just, school's not for me. Yeah. It never really was. Right. Um, did a stint as a private trainer in, in Los Angeles for the sports connection and the sports club. And then I, I went into like commercial real estate and I had a bunch of lousy jobs okay. and this, that and the other. I had an opportunity to move to Nashville. And here we are. So, okay, so yeah, that's, that's the Reader's Digest condensed version of everything. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My second half of the question was, yeah, because I was going to say you, were, you you seem very visually creative. I think that's something that mm. strikes me with your brand so much. I'm, I'm not that surprised to hear like cinema, that it was connected to something of the arts. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, yeah, to me, like this is like the whole thing for me is the creative process. Mm -hmm. Like I love cigars. I love tobacco. I, it, I especially love the agricultural aspect mm. of this industry mm. and the romance and the tradition and the, the craft of it. But for me personally, it's the creative outlet that really kind of keeps me going and, and motivated to whether it's, you know, product brand development, whether it's mm -hmm. designing a hat or a t-shirt, I just love the creative process. Mm -hmm. So I need that to, to get out. So I, yeah. it's, it's, it's a joy for me for sure. Yeah. And yeah, uh, with that creativity, Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, you, yeah. you go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say that because you were talking about creativity and the arts and all that. And we know that, mm. I mean, just looking through your scars and reading about the, the names and everything, uh, you see that music is such like an obvious inspiration uh, in your cigar making. And uh, there's lots of references. And I also read this quote, which I uh, really like, um, uh, yeah, felt for. And it was, the cigar company would be the band and the various cigar blends would be the albums, each with their own sound or flavor. Correct. So I guess my question would be like, uh, when you're making a new line, uh, is music at the forefront of your inspiration, or is it and more of an afterthought? What fits to your uh, not, cigar that you made? Not always, not always. Yeah. It, music has definitely you know uh, dovetailed into a lot of our brands mm -hmm. and the inspiration behind them, but not all the time. Um, that quote was basically said because that was how I, I wanted to structure the company from the outset. Exactly. It was very intentional. Yeah. Like I was coming out because before this, I worked for a company called CAO, 
Exactly. And so, you know, we took CAO literally from like the owner's basement to global to being sold to a, a bigger company mm-hmm. in a matter of a dozen years. It was a very fast trajectory. But I didn't want to, when, when the opportunity came to be a brand owner or a co-owner with Crowned Heads, I said, I'll do it under one condition. I don't want to create CAO 2.0. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to do something completely different. And so there's a lot of things that I loved about CAO, but there's a lot of things that I would have done differently had I had the, the reins, right? So um, one of the things was like, you know, CAO, everything was tied to the brand. So it was like CAO Maduro, CAO Cameroon, CAO Extreme, CAO Brasilia, CAO Italia. It just became very, you know, which yeah, it yeah. worked, obviously. But um, by the same token, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to have the creative latitude mm. to create different things and i didn't want it to be crown heads this crown heads that crown heads maduro crown heads connecticut you know so that's what i was was referring to when that that quote came out i wanted to have the creative latitude to to, you know our first release was four kicks and then headley grange looks nothing like four kicks Mm -hmm. so i i had the you know capacity to develop something completely different Mm -hmm. so and to this day i I still do that i don't repeat things Mm -hmm. sweet yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, well, before we started recording, we talked a little bit about, you know, uh, life on the road. You've chosen to to not go so heavily down that path. I know people like Rocky Patel, they're basically always, always traveling. Uh, yeah. And I do respect that that move to, to be more uh, grounded. But uh, you do do it in a different way because one of the things that I, I respect the most and that interests me the most uh, about the way you do things because of mine and Ruben's, you know, tiny connection that we have to the whole cigar industry through is through like media and being online. Uh, but mm-hmm. you are one of the most online sort of brand owners that I've seen. Like the, the, the amount that you put yourself out there through your Instagram now through this podcast, I, I, I don't think I've seen anyone else that does like these sort of long videos. I think maybe uh, Caldwell does. He does like uh, longer videos like that. But, you know, how I guess how how conscious of a move is that to, to be so connected to people through through the online thing? Is that because you're not maybe traveling so much or? Yeah, bingo. There it is. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it pretty much is. It's and also, I mean, in this day and age of social media, as a brand owner, you you're you have to take advantage of that yeah. because the whole thing is about for me, it's about consumer engagement and actually like being able to, you know, talk to people that smoke our cigars, whatever. And so since I don't go on the road and I don't go to stores, store to store and shake hands and say, hello, this is my way of being engaged with our end consumers because I care about what they think and I appreciate their support. And this is how I stay actively involved. It's, it's more than just, you know, a business. It's, it's something that we really love to do. And, and um, I enjoy staying connected to, to the, to the, the the customer base basically you know and, and instagram you know listen we've never even taken out a print ad you yeah. know we've been doing yeah. this since we shipped our first cigars in november of 11 and i've never taken a, a, a print ad i've never paid for advertising mm-hmm. i've never done any of the traditional marketing that most people would probably think would be necessary it's always just been about a quality product align ourselves with the right manufacturers and just really treating people the way that you would want to be treated. And mm. part of that is consumer engagement, of course. Yeah, but I think you know? you, it seems like you do enjoy it. It seems very genuine. Like, I, it's so easy. I, f- I feel like I, I can always sniff out when it's like very, when it's very bullshit corporate, like when someone is so clearly <laughs> just doing yeah. something for the, like, like some marketing guy told them to do whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think you've people done really well with it. The, 
Today's people, consumers and people in general, they're very savvy and they can mm -hmm. they smell authenticity and they smell, right. a, you know, a lack of integrity and fraud real quick. Mm -hmm. And um, it, to me, if you're just authentic and you're who you are, then the rest of it takes care of itself. You know, I'm not going to perpetrate myself as some guy in the field, like smelling a leaf of tobacco. And, <laughs> you know, and I'm, that, that's not who I am. And I'm very transparent about that. Mm -hmm. I'm very clear that. You know, I, I've been fortunate, knock on wood, to align myself with some amazing people in this industry, like Ernesto Perez Carrillo, mm. the Garcia family, yeah. my father, uh, you know, now recently Naxa with Gustavo Cura um, and Roald Disla. I mean, these are like heroes still to me. And so I'm, uh, my whole job is not to, can you swear on this? Yeah, go ahead. Swear on this? My job, as Pete Johnson once told me, is not to fuck it up. Wow. He mm -hmm. told me that, you know, way back in the day, he's like, you know, if you start with great tobacco and you've got the right people, your job as a brand owner is not to fuck it up. Just validate it. And that's it. That's all you can do. Mm. And that's what I do. You know? Yeah. It feels like that falls in line with really what we, what itched us to start with, um, with our page, just seeing all of the, the fake uh, shit on Instagram yeah. and all There's that. And that. That was not what yeah, we felt that um, that the community was supposed to be, right? So, yeah, yeah and right. I also think just just the core of social media is yeah, true. Is, is exactly. you know what I mean? What I, what I don't get is like these companies that have oh, I got to talk to my social media team. Mm -hmm. No, if you're the the owner, you know your message, you know mm -hmm. what how to deliver it, mm -hmm. you deliver it. Don't pay somebody to 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 talk about on your behalf because then it gets lost in translation. Right. You should be authentic and you should be person and that's kind of how by default i kind of became the, the front of the house more or less like when you go into a restaurant you're greeted by somebody i'm the guy for crown heads mm. but it's i'm just one person in a, a, a machine and i'm just you know i'm happen to be the one at the front of the machine i guess so to speak right. but um and is you know when uh, when um when you formed uh, crown heads uh, mm -hmm. there were some other guys from ceo with you uh, is that still the same constellation uh, of people at the core? Well, it's still Mike Condor and I. Uh -huh. um, and then as of the end of last year, or middle of last year, excuse me, um, end of 21, Tim, formerly a CAO, came back mm -hmm. into the fold. Right. He was an initial investor in the early years, but he stayed out of the creative wheel. Yeah. And then okay. now he's come back to launch okay. Osgener Family Cigars. So, and yeah. which is part of crowned heads it's nice. it's not we're, we're not distributing his product for him he is part of the okay. team right. um a lot a lot of our sales guys i've known for like miguel Shodell, our national sales manager i guess i've known him for what 20 years we've been working together yeah. off and on um same with adam shepherd uh brian mcgee uh wes has been with us for seven or eight years i mean we don't have a lot of turnover and a lot of the guys are from the old school so it, it's just interesting how everything kind of comes at full circle. But Sweet. I mean, just a great, great band of brothers, really. I mean, it's like a family for me. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you mentioned Tim. Uh, I guess let's yeah. let's let's talk about the podcast that you also mentioned a little bit, uh, mm -hmm. because that was about a week ago. You posted the last the first episode, something like that. Yeah, I think it was last Friday. Was it? Mm -hmm. Was it last Friday? I can't remember. I'm losing so. track of time. Ago, yeah. Hasn't been out very long. Yeah, it's not even a week. We had, the whole intent was to do one every other week, so two okay. times a month. Yeah, it's great production quality. Yeah. It's certainly better than, than the, the production we're running here. <laughs> yeah, we have a <laughs> It's nice with video. Yeah. Cole does an outstanding job with this. This is something that like Tim and I discussed doing at the end of last year. We were just brainstorming right. some creative ideas. And 
And I always said, you know, like somebody asked me if I would do a pod and I would be like, you know, if somebody can literally set the camera and do the editing and do the uploading and then cut it up into reels, I'm all for it. Just put me in front of the mic and we can talk. I said, but I'm not into the whole post-production because I know it's time consuming. Of course, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, Tim's like, well, I've got this, this, these brothers that are great at social media and they do, we can do a podcast with them. And so Cole's been a wonderful addition to the team and his brother Jack. And so they, they basically manage all of that for us. So we'll see how it goes. Knock on wood. We'll see if it grows. It's fun to do. Um, We, Tim and I just shoot it twice a month. Mm. Yeah. And then the brothers handle the rest of it. So I think it's a great way for, for, uh, because I, I was going to mention that too with all, your also like online presence i don't think i've seen a brand either that has that sort of you know cult following that you guys do i mean i know a lot of people say i mean i say i'm like a fuente fan but i like their cigars but like a lot of people really like love the whole crowned heads eat those like the whole brand itself yeah so that's a cool yeah, thing that you guys yeah. are doing it what, what like yeah, I, I like that no go ahead i like that because i mean not to interrupt, but my vision for the company when we decided to do it back in early, late 10, early 11, yeah. was that I didn't want to just create like this cigar brand. I didn't want it to be like Huber and Condor cigars or Condor Huber cigars. Yeah. I wanted to create, my vision was to create an aspirational brand. And mm-hmm. people are like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, take for instance, Harley Davidson, right? They, their apparel and their, their image, people aspire to that. So even if they don't ride a motorcycle, they may wear the t-shirt or the hat because they they aspire to that lifestyle of being mm-hmm. free, of being rebellious. And that's what I wanted to do with Crown Heads. I wanted to create an aspirational brand. And part of our, our mantra from the get-go was always carve your own path. When the rules don't make sense, carve your own path. And so I wanted to be an example eventually to people that say, okay, gee, I really wanted to start my own coffee house or I wanted to start my own whiskey or whatever. But yeah. You know, I just don't know if I can do it. Well, here are two morons in Nashville, Tennessee <laughs> that have started this premium cigar business and actually have built it over the years and are, are quasi-successful at it. So I can do it too. You know, I just wanted to be a, a aspirational and inspirational to people to to follow their dreams and, and pursue their goals. Yeah, that creates really a, a nice community as well, one that you'd want to stay in and yeah. be mm-hmm. a part of. So that's, uh, I like that. No, I just wanted to it's have... It's all a- very or- organic. A follow-up on the podcast, if you want it, like, just for our audience yeah. that have, uh, if they haven't seen it, like, what's the, I guess, what's what's your plan for going forward? Are you guys going to have, like, guests on, like, uh, on and off, or are you going to do it just you two guys, or what's the uh, what's the idea? I think we discussed it, and I think eventually we'll have industry guests, whether it be in this format, like, by Zoom, or, you know, we have a lot of, of friends that are in, in the, not in the industry, but, like, in other inter- interesting industries, whether it be athletics or restaurant owners or, or in the music business. And so we'll mix it up a little bit, but right now Tim and I are just kind of finding our rhythm with mm-hmm. the podcast and, and, you know, our banter, so to speak. Yes. So yeah. once we get our, our feet under us, I, I think it'd be interesting to have some other people on there. Cause otherwise, you know, after five or six episodes of watching Tim and John talk all day, it's like, <laughs> you want something else. You want another ingredient to come in. So yeah. it'll, it'll be fun. It'll, it'll grow organically. Like everything yes. else. So, looking yeah. forward to, to following that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, just returning a bit to the, I mean, you spent a lot of years at CEO and um, and you started out as a shipping manager or something like that of sorts, right? Correct, correct. Um, and um, I guess I was wondering, because you, you really advanced up through the ranks quite quickly there, and I guess it was a small 
company in its in itself, Correct. right? Uh, Absolutely. So, but what did you feel like you learned in the beginning there, um, and do you bring any of that with you when you started up um, Crown Heads? Yeah, you know, I knew nothing about shipping, <laughs> and I, but I just saw, I just said, listen, I'll be the best shipping manager you you know ever, and I was a, yeah, terrible. Yeah. I'm a terrible logistics person and all that stuff. And, um, <laughs> but I, it was my way to get my foot in the door, yeah. and then quickly, I, you know, just because I was so interested in promoting the brand. I found avenues to do so. So I, I, I got myself on a radio show. I, oh. I got myself, you know, I got traded out cigars for ad sponsors locally on rock radio mm-hmm. stations. And I compiled all of this that I'd been doing in my spare time. And I presented it to Jono and he's like, Oh, who is this guy? I was like, it's me. He's like, wow. Okay. You're the director of promotions and public relations from <laughs> now on. And that was like after five months wow. of, of stumbling through shipping. And then it just kind of went from there, you know. And what I learned to answer your question is, is, is Jono was an amazing, amazing man. Um, mm-hmm. He passed like in eighteen. But what yeah. what I learned isn't necessarily just business. It was he had this spiritual kind of presence about himself, mm-hmm. where it was like one of his his sayings was "Make it happen." Mm-hmm. Like if you can, he said, if you can envision it and you can believe it, you can do it. Just make it happen, mm-hmm. and. I bought into that, you know, and I and just, I'll give you an example. Like someday, one day in the office way back, um, somebody mentioned that uh, there was a TV show on HBO called The Sopranos, which is a very popular show right. in the States. Oh yeah. And they noticed that they were smoking cigars oh, yeah. and somebody said, why don't we get, why don't we get CAO cigars right. on, on The Sopranos? And John was like, make it happen. And I literally, you know, by coincidence, I'd been in contact with this product placement company mm-hmm. I think it was called UPP um, out of Southern California, out of LA. And they had been pitching me all of this. This is when product placement was actually a thing where they would say, okay, for $20,000 for the year, we'll place you in four movies to be determined with this, that, and the other. But I didn't want that vague thing. I, I called right. it up and I said, look, what is it worth if I just tell you I want to do one thing? What does it cost? Mm-hmm. And he said, what's the one thing? I said, I want to be on The Sopranos. Wow. And we, we were able to structure a contract and we did. So long-winded answer to that, it's like I learned to make things happen. Like the only thing holding you back from achieving things is yourself. If you, you know, if you ask 100 people to do something, 95 of them go, oh, I can't do that. I can't mm-hmm. do that. Five of them are going to think they can and your odds are really good that you might be that one that can do it. Nice. So I learned that quickly from Jono. He was yeah. a very, uh, taught me a lot about life. Mm. You know, he would always say, like, hey, you know, if you don't enjoy and love what you're doing, there's the door. Leave, you know. If you mm-hmm. love what you're doing, you can stay here. But if, if you have, if you don't love it, then you're working. And I don't want you to work. Right. I want you to love what you do. And I've never felt like I went, you know, I never felt like I had a job I had to go to mm-hmm. ever since I got with CAO. It was April 15th, 1996. That was my first day in the premium cigar industry. Mm-hmm. I remember it clear as day. And mm-hmm. I've never, like, had to wake up and go, God, I got to go to work. You know, it's never been that for me. And I know because I had jobs where it was like that. And I've never felt that way again since. That's the dream. Congrats to that. Yeah, Yeah, that is the dream. I mean, that is the dream. More than than money, more than anything else. If you can wake up each morning and, and, you know, look forward to do what you do, then that's a blessing for sure. Yeah. And it's also a rare thing, right? I mean, it is. It is. Because, I mean, I, I've been on the other side of the fence and had some horrible jobs to feed myself. And um, so I, I appreciate every day and every opportunity I get to do what I actually enjoy doing. 
Hmm. Yeah, so I wanted to not to bring up worse memories now after this nice nice period uh, but the way the whole your whole time with ceo ended was not not the nicest right i mean it's it's kind of the 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 darker side of like the corporate uh business aspect yeah. where yeah where everything just kind of turns to shit from i mean from just you said it <laughs> you said it well i mean look i mean nothing nothing that has to end ends well yeah. right otherwise why would it end mm. um but yeah, no, it was, um, I remember when CAO was first acquired by Henry Winterman's, which is a smaller company. Right. And you know, the, the mantra was like, Oh, don't change anything. We love what you're doing. We're mm. just going to give you a better, you know, reach to do it. Don't, we're not going to change you guys. And I'm like, okay. And then in short order, Henry Winterman's gets absorbed by mm. uh, STG, which is like general cigar. Right. And then you saw the, the writing on the wall. You saw these people coming in the office that you didn't know who they were. Mm. You saw this movement in the and you're kind of going, what is going on here? So you kind of, some of us behind the scenes got a feel for what was happening. Mm. So um, that last year, the 2010, um, when they said, okay, we're moving you guys to Richmond, Virginia, that was that was not fun, but um, we made the best of it. Mm. But I, they they asked actually some of us if we wanted to to move with the the and I was like. My exit interview was very, very brief. I said no, and they said, "Oh, give it some time, think about it." I said, "No, I don't I have no interest. Mm. I'm, I'm out." So, yeah. there was some like performance fulfillment things that we had to do in marketing, yeah, in order to get our severance pay, and so that all wound up at the end of the year in December. And four days later, Mike and I had our first meetings about talking about this new company, and off we went. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, with that, it's come uh, quite a lot of success. And I mean, uh, like we said, cult, the cult following. Uh, but a bit of a more personal question then. Uh, how good are you at looking back and taking in what you've accomplished? Um, I mean, I, I, I don't. I, I never look back. You know, no? I don't look back. You no, know, I don't. Honestly, I'll be honest with you. I don't go back and go. Wow, look at you know because when you start doing that and you drink your own kool-aid yeah. you start believing your own press releases it's like that's it's a dangerous slippery slope mm. you just you constantly just have to look ahead look forward like what can i do better yeah. where can we grow where do we want to go where do we want to be so right. i don't i don't you know I, I keep track of certain data like i can tell you how yeah, many stores sure, we started with and how many stores we're in now Mm -hmm. But I don't sit there and gloat on a daily basis like, wow, look at what we did. You know what I mean? I, honestly, I don't think, you know, I think we got a long way to go. I think we just kind of scratched the surface to this point. I mean, I think right. we're, just, we're just getting going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But then so when you sit down now to like make a new cigar and all that, what is, what is the process like for you? That, or not that like make a cigar, but when you want to release a new cigar brand, what is the process like sitting down? Do, well, you, take in, this... do you factor in the past then as well? And then well, or is and it just if... what you're feeling? No, there's a little bit of both. Um, mm -hmm. There's what I call like we do a, a, a good bit of LEs or Edition Limitadas, as you guys were calling yeah. limited editions. Um, but a lot of those are what I call like legacy LEs, like that come out once a year, but people look forward to them. So, like Four Kicks Mule Kick or La Carrera Bella Cosas Finos or Las Calaveras, those those are kind of given. You know they're going to come out, and so we just have to start the production and the rolling and everything, and know when we're going to drop each one of them throughout the year. But then there's also the new stuff, like the new ideas, the new new blends, new brands, new regular production releases. Like we haven't done, I'll give you an example. We haven't done a regular production brand with Ernesto 
at Tabacalera La Alianza since 2020. So it's like been three years since we've done anything on that basis. So working on that now with him. Mm. Um, so it's, you really start the process almost like in the, in the third or fourth quarter of the prior year and start planning out the following mm. year in terms of production and scheduling and so that things don't kind of run over each other. It's, it's, it's kind of a balancing act a little bit. Mm. Um, and then you you throw in the, the the on top of that that you're dealing with an agricultural product, right. and it makes things it makes things challenging because you're you're planning logistics and production and purchase orders and all of these things on a calendar with four different factories, and then mm-hmm. you're you're at the mercy of the weather, the soil, the yield, the availability. Yeah. So it's you know it's it's a difficult business to to run for sure, but it's. I love what to do, what I do. So it's all I know how to do. I'm still learning how to do it. Yeah, that production side is something that comes up a lot. Like obviously, we're from from Europe here. We have a lot of European followers as well. So a lot of the stuff that's been talked about recently is the whole Cuban supply shortage and that stuff. And you know, it, it's mm-hmm. becoming so evident how how like you say, there's so much behind, that goes behind making cigars that. You know, China all of a sudden wants to buy a shit ton of Cuban cigars, but they can't pump them out immediately because there's such a long process. Uh, but something I wanted right. to ask you about based on that sort of is how how far ahead then does that allow you to work? Like how, what are what are the furthest forward, like the, the projects in the pipeline that are the furthest forward? Like, do you have ideas about what you might want to release in? say 2026 or just a random year like that like how far no no not not that far out i would say probably Mm. a year and a half is really the the, at the outermost like the cigar that i'm smoking now is is a a blend that uh, we've been working on with ernesto and we started the idea of this in the middle of last year Mm. in the hopes that we can get it ready for the the trade show in july this Mm. year but then there's other things that like las calaveras which i basically just go to the garcias and i say okay what can i play with What's the availability? Here's how many cigars I need. And we start that like in at the end of uh, 22 to have it released like in June of 23. Okay. That's a little bit easier. It's a little more turnkey, okay. more or less. But some stuff, I'd say a year and a half. But I'm not, I'm not Drew Estate where I'm working it on 2028 right now. I'm, I'm not that, <laughs> that far out. You know, we do have some flexibility to kind of pivot if we need to pivot. Okay, okay this tobacco didn't come out the way we wanted to. Okay. Let's go to this 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 plan here. So yeah, okay, yeah, Ruben, go ahead if you got anything. Otherwise, I can I can power through. Uh, go ahead. No, yeah, because I, what I wanted to ask after that, because you kind of touched on how how involved are you in the whole blend? Like when you say, "What can I play with?" You know, are you going mm-hmm. to the where like or to the factory or whatever yourself and trying stuff? Like how 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 does that process look for you when you're when you're playing, I, I used to, I used to, uh, used to go to the factories on a regular basis. Um, and then I became a father and, uh, nice. that kind of became, and then we got into COVID. And so then that was like, so now I'm, I'm at a point where I know enough about the tobaccos and what they may do to the, to the flavor profile, okay. um, where I can kind of do it remotely wow. almost, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm involved in the validation process of it. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Like, um, we started working or talking to NAXA, Nicaraguan American Cigars, SA, mm-hmm. and Esteli, uh, March, April of last year. And I had some ideas for things that I wanted to do. So I got on a conference call with Gustavo, who's an old friend, and he said he's going to put some samples together, Raul. So they sent me the samples. 
I smoked them and I, I was like, eh, they're pretty linear. There's, they're missing something in the middle. I said, mm-hmm. and I got back on a conference call. Do you guys have access to any kind of, I found out after the fact there was like little to no Lajero in it, which it could be a good thing for some blends, but for this, I wanted something with more structure. So I said, do you have anything similar to like an ASPS like Lajero? Well, we can get something like that. All right, well, let's, let's tweak that a little bit. And so then they send me more samples and we go from there and, and pretty much they nailed it after that. But so I am involved with that. I just don't go, okay, send me a cigar. I'm going to put a band on it. I mean, this thing we've been working on with Ernie, we've gone through, you know, which is unusual, like probably seven, eight different variations. Oh. Got to a point in November where Ernie was just like, okay, scratch. <laughs> We're going to start all over again. Oh. We're going to start from square one. Because I had a concept of what I wanted the cigar to taste like. And I said, remember XYZ back in the day? Yes. I want to do that. Oh, okay. And he's like, okay, okay. You know, so we that's kind of the jumping off point. God damn. I got to keep an eye out for this Ipi Korea cigar because it sounds like a... <laughs> It sounds like it's been in the works for a while. I'm intrigued. You, let me ask you guys. Do you guys smoke a lot of domestic stuff over there? Or is it mostly Cubans? We smoke absolutely, absolutely everything. Sweden is a little bit yeah. hesitant, no. like like the rest of Europe, Europe I say. Uh, to, but I think there's a paradigm shift going on for sure. Because I've never heard or seen as many people here in Sweden talk about non-Cubans. Wouldn't you say, lad? Yeah, no, exactly. Because, uh, I mean, we talked about this as well after also the uh, the Cuban price hike mm-hmm. um, that we would probably see this like more new brands coming into Sweden and uh, mm-hmm. more open mindedness because uh, Sweden specifically has, I guess, a, a Cuban cigar culture. But mm-hmm. we enjoy smoking everything. And now it's been more or less Cubans and um, more because there's a whole, I mean, world out there. Right? Yeah, our entry You've was. You've got the best uh, of both worlds. Yeah. What was the first cigar you guys smoked, Cuban or otherwise? Ruben, yours is the uh, which Macanudo? Was yeah, that? Uh, the uh, the Cafe Diplomats, the Macanudo. Uh, it a was a friend of mine's thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, a Maduro. Okay. Um, it wasn't in the best of scenarios. It was raining in November in Sweden. We were sitting outside because we're at uh, a friend's house, and it was his dad's cigar, right? So. Um, uh, it wasn't the best circumstances, but it was still the cigar, you know, it was Based exciting and all that. It was enough um, to intrigue you to go, okay, I'm going to explore this a little <laughs> bit more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, the the real breakthrough later was when, when Carl and I were able to, to like smoke, start smoking cigars together. And um, when we actually turned you know, yeah. 18, because this was before that, yeah. I could buy <laughs> our own cigars. This was about half a year ago, um, you, you mean. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was last week. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, mine was mine was uh, mine was a Romeo Julieta number two. Uh, was like that. It's like a small yeah, Cuban Petite Corona. I was also it was I was like sixteen probably. I was living in in Brazil at the time, and it was a friend. And uh, yeah, Ruben and I were intrigued by uh, by the sort of cigar culture. We were we were intrigued about everything about it. We were like kind of like douchey kids in ninth grade. It's like we were intrigued mm-hmm. by it, and then when we got a little older, like I was playing poker with my with my friends, and we thought we were like kind of adults. Like we wanted to play sure. at that shit, so a friend yeah, yeah. brought a, a brought some cigars over. But I actually did like it. Like I, I tried to like whiskey. I wanted to do that too, but I couldn't. I mean, I, I guess my palate wasn't ready or whatever. But cigars, I, I genuinely enjoyed from the get go, and then I just fell for them. So, but yeah, that was it. So different yeah. experiences. You're lucky. You've got the the best of both worlds out there. I remember because here in the states. It's the forbidden fruit, right? right? So, exactly. like, when you're yeah. you're just getting into the cigar culture, you're like, oh, you got Cubans, what Cubans? You know, that was yeah, a big yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and you know you sometimes you're lucky if you get a real one over here but my first <laughs> legit from a, a habanos dealer was uh it was a monte cristo number two in london Ooh, oh, nice. and, um, oh my god i was just like <laughs> where where was it did you or was it at a I, John Fox, sent, it, it was either jj fox or selfridges where i, I purchased oh, okay. it i can't right. remember specifically but i was over in london to purchase some um, old Victorian era boxes from an antique dealer Ooh. that we we would retrofit into humidors back in Nashville when I was just starting with CAO. So okay. I got to go over to London. I'm like, well, I'm there. I'm like, I'm going to smoke as many Cuban cigars as I can get. Definitely. Um, yeah. I had a party. I think it was an 898, maybe a party 898, um, Monty 2. And then I fell in love with Partigas Serie D number fours. Yeah. Nice. Um, that was like a big one for me, nice, uh, nice, nice. and then I started getting into like the Epi number twos and you know the okay. Hoyt Monterey thing. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, to me, to this day, when they're on, there's such a unique yes, yeah. flavor component of yeah, Cuban yeah. cigars that exactly. you know when they're right and when they're authentic and not counterfeit. Yeah. There, <laughs> there's, there's like this florality that I just 100%. yearn for that I just like God, this 100%. is fucking good. You know, because it, initially when I was coming up, I was like, oh, I thought Cuban cigars were strong and aggressive. And it's just the opposite. You know, they're just yeah. nuanced. And just when they're right, they're yeah. like floral. And uh, they're just, it's, it's, yeah. But let's stay on this so, Cuban topic a little yeah. bit. Because it's something I'm curious yeah. with. I know we talked a lot about Cuba with Pete Johnson, of course. You're very good friends mm -hmm. with him. So you know how he has this like love-hate relationship. Well, he loves the country and everything. I guess kind of dislike the, yeah. the government, of course, I think. Mm -hmm. pretty much everyone does but uh he, he has a lot of uh like cuban uh, i don't know if they're homages like when we when we talked to him he called Influence. it a sort of a Influences. yeah slight f you he's to definitely like, have the influence absolutely but like some of the designs as well i looked through like your you have a lot of really unique designs on yours the only one that caught mm. my eye kind of design wise was the jericho hill it looks a little bit mm. like the I don't know if this is intentional. This is why I was so curious. Ramon <laughs> Yes, the green, the old green. Okay, so that yes. was intentional then. 100%. Wow, 100%. okay. So how did oh, that nice. come out? Come nice spot. Like, yeah, how did that go? I'm just, I'm a geek. I go through like stuff just like Pete and I go through old bands and old brands. And yeah. If you look at the, the Headley Grange band, it's uh, it's very, very reminiscent of La Cepcion. Oh, a, Yes. A, Oh my God! Now that you say that, yeah, right. So yeah, now there's there's definitely that component to it. Yeah, those two that come to mind: the Ramona Lonis and the. Uh, wow. and oh Lassa my God! Chon. It's so but similar. Then, How the hell did I not? That's even like, <laughs> yeah, more similar. It's very similar. It's I think Halfwheel called it out back in 2012. Like this looks a lot like. <laughs> yeah. So you look yeah. at like the really yeah. old disc because both of those are. Oh yeah, super... I love I love like looking at like. Yeah. The artwork from like the pre-embargo stuff, even you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, side of this door is the actual Vista from uh, La Imperiosa, which used to be a Cuban right. brand back in the day. So we discovered that we registered the brand in 15 or 14 and um this company called ride dog um out of holland was oh, the making the, the band yeah. yeah 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 and so as a uh, as a gift they gave me this framed beautiful mm -hmm. uh you know uh, vista from the original la imperiosa back in, i think it dates back to 1912 or 20 or something ridiculous but I stare at the thing because I'm like, there was no machinery back then. This is all like, you know, hand done. And I'm like, it's just, it's art, you know, to me. So it's like, 
that, that's that's part of of one of the things that draws me to the business is just the 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 history, yes. the antiquity, yeah. the the craft. It's just it's a beautifully romantic uh, product grown by hand. There's no machinery in, involved. I and totally agree. That's what what sucked me in. Really, it really did. So. But yeah, I mean, I, I've heard Pete use that quote where like, you know, Cuba is the wheel. Yeah, He's not trying to reinvent it. He's just trying to like put his spin on it. And so he's, I mean, there, honestly, I, I've said this before, but there isn't a cigar that Pete has put out that I'm not like fanboy over. <laughs> I literally, I look, I like to tell the story. It's 2003 and the big trade show that we have annually here yeah. in the States. Um, it was in Nashville and at that point I had known Pete for seven years. And so we had this thing where every day, every trade show we'd get together and like, Oh, what's good out there? What, what are you smoking? What's, what's the, you know, and he had this little cabinet of unbanded cigars and he's like, here, try this. This is my cigar. Ooh. And I just took one and he says, it's called Tatuaje. So I lit it and I was just like, oh. I'm like, Jeez. dude, what is this? You know, you know what I mean? I'm like, I said, if you could do this on a regular basis consistently, you're going to change the game, <laughs> literally. And I mean, if you think about his success yeah. in the business, it's like he started off with, you know, a cigar that was almost impossible to pronounce, <laughs> understated packaging, high point, Super good. but it was so good that you could put it, put it in a paper bag, brown paper bag, and people would buy <laughs> it. almost yeah. did the brown bands. <laughs> Close. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was so well done. I'm still I'm still a big Tatuai fan to this day. I was in Saints and Sinners, I think, every year until Ooh. I just forgot to renew one year. But, um, yeah, no, he's, yeah he's, a he's a good friend, and, and I definitely uh, somebody I respect and admire. Yeah, he re yeah, I'm glad you reached out to him. He's talk he talked a lot about you after we were done recording. I'm yeah. I, I was waiting to to contact you, but I'm I'm, I'm a little shy. So I was I was waiting for like the right moment. But I'm glad you wrote. Uh, no, I, I, I saw that. That's why I contacted <laughs> you guys. I was like, oh, this is so cool. But I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to ask, how did you? Because you know, when I've studied both you guys, it's almost insane how how much at least on the surface level it seemed. But you guys are friends. But like how much you guys have in common, it's nuts. Like how did you guys mm -hmm. actually meet for the first time? Like how how did that happen? It was in Cincinnati at the trade show in 1996. Mm -hmm. And I had literally just started at CAO like maybe three months before that. And I was thrown into this massive trade show with, you know, all of my icons that I've been reading in the magazines, Ernesto, the Fuentes, Padron. I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing here? You know? And I saw this guy walk by with tattoos and I had a couple of tattoos. Back then, nobody had tattoos. Yeah. And so we kind of like, so that kind of one of those things, you know, and then we just started talking and um, he was the buyer and manager for the Grand Havana room in Beverly Hills oh, okay, at the time. Okay, okay. And I was like, oh, dude, I said, I lived in L.A. for like 12 years. Oh, really? Where'd you live? And I'm like, off of Melrose. Da, da, da. We just became fast friends. Mm. And um, he, it's interesting because despite all of his success that he's I mean, I, to me, he's like started the whole like boutique thing, in my opinion, yeah. one of the key yeah, guys. Yeah. He's still the same guy that I met in Cincinnati in 1996 he's just that down to earth cigar geek creative genius dude and uh he's good people yeah. he's, we don't talk like all the time we'll text once in a while and, but as soon as we see each other it's like you know it's like nothing no time ever went by that's the best yeah yeah he's the whole reason why we got in with the uh, with um my father my father yeah. cigar yeah makes sense 100% he was with me 
in the factory when we came out with, with the blend for the first Las Calaveras in 2014. He was the first guy that validated it. I remember wow. I was smoking and I said, do me a favor, let me know what you think of this. And I was just getting started on my own thing. Pete had already been doing his thing for 11 years. Wow. And he's like, yeah, it's good. It's meaty. It's, it's different than anything coming out of this house. I like it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's a pretty cool. good Pete. <laughs> yeah. It was just, you know, very nonchalant. And then yeah. that guard took off for us. And, wow. you know, we've done every year, we've done a Las Calaveras since. But he was, he gave, gave me the entree into the, into the factory. Wow. And um, I owe a lot to him for that, for sure. You know, because Las Calaveras has become kind of like our monster every mm. year and always True. been made by the Garcias. And, and I got to know, Jaime and Yanni and Pepin, you know, through Pete. Mm. And so I owe him a lot and that family a lot. I mean, they're, they're some of the best in the business. Legends, right? So, sure. yeah. Right. Uh, but as we were talking a bit about uh, earlier, it's not only cigars. I mean, you have the hats, you have the, the lifestyle brand, the aspirational mm. brand that you're talking about. And um, that really gives it a different vibe. Uh, mm -hmm. What parts of um, kind of, the lifestyle brand and the cigars, do you find the most um, fun for you or the most, uh, what makes you, <laughs> I don't know. I, you know really. yeah. I, I like design, right? Yeah. And so like ever since I was a kid, I've always loved hats. Like I would once a week, if I got a, if I was a good kid or if I was, had a treat, my mom would let me go down to this department store and buy a baseball hat. Oh. And so I, I've always been collecting hats, you know? And so, it's just something that I've loved to do. I designed them when I was at CAO and I continue to do that mm. for ground heads and it's just kind of evolved. And now I'm like, um, I can design with Ebbets Field flannels. I can design with new era. I'm working and I can, yeah. anything I can think up, I can, you know, create. And so yeah, that's really cool. it, on my desk, I've got a file that's literally <laughs> three or four inches thick of des hat designs, ex exclusively hats that we've either produced or they're in the design queue or that we've ordered, you know, and I just, uh, it's a constant, constant thing that I'm, I'm, I'm coming up with. We've never repeated the same style or color yeah, like twice really cool. in mm -hmm. however many years. And in fact, I got a message from a, a, a Crown Heads fan in uh, Oregon, a good guy named Brian Roberson. And uh, I don't know if he'll ever watch this, but <laughs> he's a, a huge supporter. And he says, I just bought my 100th hat from you guys. Oh. Online. I said, we made a hundred different hats. And I'm like, <laughs> I, said, I sent him a thank you yeah. note. And I said, at some point, you got to send me a picture of the collection That's because crazy. I don't even have a hundred crown heads hats. Yeah. So it's it's fun and I love it and it gives me something to wear. Yeah. It's, you know? it's I, mean, I don't have to buy clothes. I just wear our merch. And yeah, true. That's about it. So I, I love doing it. It's just another creative outlet. They look That's really good. That's such a good. cool space that you, that you have now. Like just the creative outlet in all senses, like the cigars, the names, mm. the the merchandise and all that it's um yeah yeah cool i mean and, and the, intentionally the name crowned heads was ambiguous enough that it could go into other lanes i mean right. you could have a if i wanted to we could do a crown head spirit or a crown heads coffee yeah. it's just if you establish yourself in one lane you might be able to shift to another i mean we're still learning this one but Mm -hmm. And now I don't drink, so it would be kind of hard for me to do okay. a, a whiskey. But at, at one point, it was a thought or something. Like, but uh, now we're just going to stay with cigars for sure. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to ask now because I, I, I actually I watched, I think, like one of the first ever interviews you did when you started up your own brand. It, it was this like, mm -hmm. I think it was called Tiki Bar or some kind of show. It was like 2011. 
Uh, oh God, that's way better. Yeah, it was yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> first of all, I was shocked because you haven't aged a day, and I don't get. I, maybe it's the cigars that is your magic serum. God bless you. No, no, for God real though. You. I was I was shocked when I saw it. I had to double check the date. Uh, <laughs> but he asked you about. I, I don't know how. Maybe you guys had talked about it before. But he actually asked you about. Uh, you must have talked about it before because he asked you about lifestyle brand, and and I felt like that was mm-hmm. such a random question. But you didn't mm-hmm. like want to really answer it then. I don't know how 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 thought through was it. Like, how, did you plan it from the get go when you wanted to make your cigar brand that you wanted to do this kind of stuff? No, not really. Just kind of organically evolved into it. Um, the merchandising portion of it. I mean, we never even used to put stuff online up until I'd say the first five years. Yeah. It was never even for sale. But we started using so much. Uh, apparel on like in-store giveaways gift with purchase that I'm like well I've got to establish a value so these people know what they're getting so I said let's just put the stuff online and we'll put a price tag on it so that they know if they buy X and they're going to get this this is what the gift yes. with purchase value is and that's really how it started and then it just kind of picked up and picked mm-hmm. up and picked up and it just got to be more and more fun and um, and then I was lucky enough to meet our headwear manufacturer by accident and um, Derek came in one day and I said, I just want to talk to you about some stuff. And he said, yeah, he goes, I've got this company that I work for and you can design everything. I'm like what? He's like, yeah, he goes, you can do the eyelet, you can do the visor, under visor, crown, trucker. Da, da. And I'm like, you're talking my language. We're going to be friends. <laughs> and we've done hundreds of thousands of dollars of business with those guys since wow. then. And so it's, it's been, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. Something I do in tandem with, also working on product development for cigars i'll always have like yeah. something in the queue for headwear and, and promotional merchandise and stuff like that mm. so it just kind of just took off but it, it funny to that tiki bar interview i was probably also said i'm not going to do any limited editions and i just want to focus on developing brands <laughs> and that was my intent yeah, at the yeah. beginning and it's just kind of by accident we fell into this business model where people were always like what's the next thing what's the yeah, new thing yeah and here we are, like on a typical year, going into the year, I'll know that we have probably between 11 and 13 different new things coming out that year, Damn. which is a lot. It's a lot. And it's, it's, it's sure. constantly, you know, you're juggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now with the advent of, of OFC with Tim's brand, it's right. like now we have another one to consider where, I, okay, I can't cannibalize his thing. Let, let him have the spotlight here and yeah. then we'll come around here. And then, so it's a, it's a, it's a juggling act for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Actually, a lot. Before yeah. you ask I'm your not... question, can I? Yeah. Because yeah. there's something that's super connected to that now. Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Because yeah. that, what you talked about with cannibalizing brands, it's something that I've thought of many times. Sometimes when I'm looking through some of these like super big companies, I, I won't name names, but there are some companies that have been going on for so long. It seems like sometimes they just have identical blends. Uh, you know, when you read through the, the guts of the cigars, it just seems like it's all the same and mm-hmm. they've been going for so long. How how hard is that then to like, because if you're thinking of a new blend, you got to keep in mind what you already have, right? To not try to tread on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. True. If it's too similar to something, I, will, I, I won't do it. But there are instances where I want something similar. I almost want to riff on something that we've done. Uh, you know, Jericho Hill and Juarez are a good example of that. Yeah. So we were doing, we've been doing Jericho Hill with the Garcias since 2014. And then... Um, we started working with this other factory in, in uh, Esteli. At the time, it was called Tabacalera Pichardo. Right. Now it's something different. But um, we started, I said, listen, I said, I want to do a, a, a value version of Jericho. Give me your best shot. Here's, here's the blend. 
and Juarez took off for us yeah. here in the States. It's a, a value-driven brand. It's kind of like yeah. what maybe if Nick talked to you guys about Charter Oak, it's kind of yeah, like yeah, our yeah, Charter yeah. Oak. Yeah, yeah, right, really. right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so sometimes I'll do it on purpose, but for the most part, I don't try to try to repurpose blends at all, you know. Mm-hmm. And recently, like over the last few years, we've, we've really kind of had a hyper-focus, our production, where we didn't necessarily discontinue a brand, but we just – stopped okay. producing it you know we stopped producing uh headley grange jd howard reserve las Moreas, um and ironically now i'm getting all these dms like bring back las Moreas, <laughs> bring back las Moreas." Uh, where were you when it came out and it didn't sell so. but so now yeah so now we'll, we'll take a brand and then we'll even go deeper than that we'll say okay instead of five atolas we'll just do three you know we'll yeah. just push those three or right, whatever yeah. so we've we've streamlined a little bit but not officially discontinued anything per se yeah jeez you were literally reading my mind because the, the next question i was just gonna ask <laughs> use the word discontinue and streamline because i was you know I, I saw last year i was kind of surprised i guess the current uh, environment leads for the brands to have to do this but drew estate discontinued a lot of like pretty pretty popular blends uh and and mm-hmm. lines and i was pretty surprised about that but so I guess you you feel okay with streamlining then? Because I was I was gonna ask like how do you feel? Because you've created these. I don't know how much you feel like these brands are your babies, but like how, you feel okay with you do. doing you, it then? Hundred percent. Yeah, I feel hundred percent. But you know you also have to run a business. Yeah. And if a, if like Ernesto is telling you, look, I only have this much production right. that I can mm-hmm. give you. Choose wisely. You know I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the hitters instead of the the guys. You know they're just doing so so so. It's a necessity, but um, you know I. I still miss Headley Grange and there's still people out there that love Headley yeah. Grange and it was a great cigar. And I, part of me thinks, okay, if I released it now, it would probably be more successful because we have more of a following. We have much more distribution. Mm-hmm. It would probably get traction again, but it's got to keep moving forward. Yeah. That is what it is. So, Right. Yeah, you must have a bunch of uh, different cigars to, to smoke uh, in your arsenal and portfolio. Yeah, uh, you know, clearly though, but to be honest with you, like... Everything that I smoke, ninety percent of it is unbanded at this point. Okay. You know, because yeah. I'm always constantly in development of different things. True. And, um, trying different different projects. Right. And so, yeah, I don't get a lot of. T- I mean, I, obviously, I go back to the cabinet and I'll pull out a Mildias or I'll pull out yeah, a, yeah. a Four Kicks Capa Special, whatever, just to smoke it for fun. But my first cigars of the day are always like, okay, I got to see how this tastes on a fresh palate. Okay. I got to see how where this is going. And, does it taste different than it did two weeks ago? Yeah, it's rounding out a little more, whatever. So it's, right. but, uh, it's more work. But how um, how often would you say that you smoke um, cigars from you know other brands or that that are often. not Pete Johnson? Often, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, we just had our sales meeting here in, in Nashville, like in December, and um, one of my brokers from the Northeast just came in with this huge bag. So these are for you, bro. And I'm like, oh. it was like. Nice. Illusion, Cavalier, Ooh. you know, it was all this stuff. War, it was uh, called, yeah. and I was just like a kid in a candy store. I'm like, oh, yeah, I yeah. smoke all of it. you know what I mean? So, yeah, awesome. I still geek out on everybody's stuff. I really do. I'm yeah. a big fan of obviously with Pete's, but also with Dion's. With or Day, so oh, mm-hmm. that's that's the that's his uh crowning jewel, I think, yeah. in my opinion. But he had a cigar called Fuma d'Amour. That was the can came and went. I don't know if it's still in production, but that cigar was fantastic I have one too. Still here. Yeah, Puma del Moro. Oh, yeah, yeah, good definitely. stuff. Oh, yeah, I have one. He's another one. He's like Pete. He's like, there's not anything he's put out where I don't go, wow, this is fucking great. You know? Yeah. 
But Dion's like a scientist when it comes to tobacco. Mm -hmm. He'll forget more than I'll ever learn about actual <laughs> tobacco. He's amazing, amazing guy. And I smoke Nicholas's stuff too. I'm a big fan of yeah. Nick. Mm -hmm. um, I'm happy for all of his success. So this is just, you, yeah. Do you ever feel like that you're inspired when smoking someone other, some other cigar that you're like, oh, I kind of want to recreate this, but not like identical? It hasn't, it hasn't happened yet, to be honest with yeah. you. Um, you know, my, my inspiration comes more from like my, my memory of stuff. Like, I, you know, like on this particular blend, I, I remember telling Ernie in the middle of last year, I said, I said, you remember when you used to do El Rico Habano back in the day? Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> that was my favorite cigar. More than La Gloria Cubana. El Rico Habano, I liked that better. And he says, yeah, and he, his face lit up. I said, let's try to create a version of that. You know, so I, I kind of think about things from my memory, from my past, and things that I've smoked before. And or like I'll think, wow, I wish I could make a cigar like a Bahia Gold Robusto in 1998. You know, and it just stands out in my yeah. mind. I can't tell you what I had for dinner three nights ago, <laughs> but I can tell you where I was, what year it was, what Vitola it was, and it was of a big year gold. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So those things, those are like the, standouts. The but I don't, there's nothing. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's nothing that I, I go, oh, I want to make a Illusion Epernay. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Or just like a flavor that's more, you know. Um, yeah, there, yeah, there are components of like, um, I go back to that florality that I referenced in Cuban cigars. And mm -hmm. I remember, uh, I don't know if you guys know Warped. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Warped is a brand. And so year, a few years ago, I don't know how many, they had a brand called La Colmena. Yes. And You're going to try to get one. It was made at uh, El Titan de Bronze, which is, you know, Willie Herrera, who's a good friend of mine. Um, you know, I, I called Willie. I'm like, dude, what is this? And he's like, oh, that's this Desflorado wrapper and da 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 I said, I love that flavor. I can't find that flavor anywhere, you know? And so those are things that kind of like stand out. And I've, I've had the, the luxury of working with Willie on a cigar as well. We did La Coalition together in 2019. And um, it was, it was a great process. We had a lot of fun working on that and it was a great cigar, but we just, we couldn't get production anymore out of Drew Estate. So I kind of, kind of came and mm. went, but it was supposed to be a regular production cigar. Mm. And mm. Uh, it was fun working with Willie. I'm, I'm hoping to do something with him soon um he's actually supposed to be sending me samples okay so <laughs> but um i always have my feelers out with the things but he's a great dude okay yeah i wanted to ask uh, ruben you touched on a little bit about looking back uh and the reason i wrote that question about like looking back at your achievements i i say the same thing to ruben like i think i told you one night last summer i, I was kind of sad about how i how i can't uh get so much happiness out of stuff we've done either like i remember when we were starting out with this you know like if i would see that we were speaking to you know a brand owner uh, mm. like you I, I would have lost it like when i was 18 but like i don't know like i don't know i, I can't look <laughs> back either but i wanted to ask you uh since you seem to have the right mindset uh you talked about uh about headley grange and and uh that cigar and that success that it did have you said it would do better but it, it made the top 25 and I remember seeing, yeah, but but I remember <laughs> seeing you talk about the fact that you, when you started out, you had this like notebook and you were like reading the cigar aficionado ratings at the same time. That must have been a little surreal seeing your own cigars in those ratings and, you know, making the top 25. Did, did you ever reflect on that or that that just kind of came and passed? As a That's clue? a good question. But the, the answer to it is no, I never really, it didn't really kind of connect with me like that. It didn't hit me that way. It just mm -hmm. kind of felt right at the time. I'll tell you what did hit me that way 
is working with Ernesto. Okay. Mm. Because I remember I had this, you know, we started working with Ernesto in, uh, in 11, and I've gotten to know him very well over the years. And yeah, I just love him as a man. He's just a great dude. He's like, I call him my padrino because he really is not, <laughs> not just the godfather of cigars, but like, I would trust my, my kids with, with, with wow. Ernie. He's just such a good man. And um, I remember one day I was at the factory years ago and I just like, I go, do it. I said, this is like, it's like a pinch me kind of a uh, dreamy moment. I was like, what are you talking about? I said, I used to read about you yeah, in Cigar yeah. Aficionado magazine about La Gloria Cubana and your whole rise in Cayocho and all this stuff. And I said, you were like my hero. And I'm, I'm actually sitting here in your conference room, you know, working on blends and validating tobaccos with you right now. That was surreal for me, that yeah. moment. But other than that, like seeing the accolades or the awards or the little gold plaques from CA, I mean, mm. it really doesn't, it, to me, it never hit me. And it's just like, okay, so what? What's next? Mm. You know, that, that doesn't, right. yeah. it's just working with the people that right. were on your Mount Rushmore that you kind of go, wow, this this is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going. That couldn't get hired at a retail tobacconist for seven dollars an hour. Right. So, like, you know, years later, I'm working with uh, one of the legends, right? So yeah, yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's, that's an inch. That that hits. Yeah, uh, I'm going to uh, to Pro Cigar next week. That's the first time I'm ever going to like a cigar producing country. That's the first time I'm going to see anything, and I think awesome. he will be there. I hope. I think he usually goes, so I'll say hi. He usually is there. He usually is. I'll there, then I'll but, name uh, drop you, and then he'll he won't just think I'm some random. Kid, kid trying to annoy it. <laughs> no, he's he would he would go out of his way for you know he'd, he'd stop everything he's doing to, for you, and that's just the kind of guy he is. Mm-hmm. I remember I had a friend of mine here in Nashville, and he was going to Miami, and he's like, "Do you think I could stop by in, at Ernie's office?" And I said, "Well, I'll see if he's in town." And he was in town, and he stopped by, and he said, "He goes, he goes, the guy was amazing. He just stopped everything he was doing." sat down, smoked a cigar with us, and we talked for like two hours, mm-hmm. and he just put everything else on hold. And he's like, oh, you're a friend of John's, come here. Wow. You know, that kind of a thing. And he's just, he's that kind of guy. He's super, super, super guy. Love that guy. That's awesome. I'm looking That's forward awesome. to yeah. that. <laughs> so before we... That'll be a good experience. Yeah, I can't wait. I really, it's it's a dream come true. But yeah, but we have you a little, a little longer uh, because you've been so generous with that time. We like to involve our followers a lot. If you want to ask some follower questions from, from the people. Absolutely. Yeah, because we posted about this yesterday that we're going to have you on. Um, I saw that on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one of the questions done from uh, Shane V. He asks, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, aging your cigars? Are there any that stand out as being even better with age? I think cigars in general, the, um, the ones that, that come off the bench with more structure will obviously have more potential to age and round out. I mean, the, the biggest thing for me, like every the guys that say, oh, this is good. But it's going to be better with a little age. You got to age it. Well, everything gets better with age. <laughs> Wine, whiskey. I mean, that's a, that's a no-brainer. So yeah, it's like right. you're saying you're Captain Obvious when you say, "Oh, it'll be better with age." <laughs> you know what I mean? The only cigars that don't age well, for me in my experience, have been like cigars that like are lighter, like a Connecticut Shade okay. type of a thing, or Connecticut Ecuador to an extent. Mm-hmm. They have a shelf life, and then they kind of tend to age out. But I've had. I mean, I had a 2014 Las Calaveras, which I'm like, is there any gas still in the tank after almost 10 years? It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And that's, you know, all the applause go for the Garcias. But, um, yeah, just heavier cigars like Broadleaf to me tends to round out, become a little bit smoother, richer, rounder. 
Um, but yeah. cigars in general, yes, they will be better with some age. Okay. What about aging your cigars before releasing them? Is that there? The factory takes care of that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, right. We don't sit. We don't. When we get the cigars up here, my intent and my hope is that they're ready to go. It's not like you know in the '90s where you had to get cigars and they were green and you had to sit on them <laughs> in the warehouse. And, you know, it's like they they come aged and ready to smoke, and they should be when the consumer. Yeah, yeah buys a cigar in a cigar shop, it should be ready. It shouldn't be like, uh, take this home and, you know, uh, you know, dry box it or something. Yeah. It's like, if, if that's the case, then we're not doing our job. Mm. Okay, so another one here. Uh, and this one I found interesting because I, I've heard you say pretty much the exact same thing that Pete Johnson said to us, that you like to put out cigars that you enjoy smoking yourself. Um, so... 100%. Uh, Andy underscore Moan, he asked uh, if you want to put out more Connecticut cigars. The example he used was something like the Super Mesa Brulee, something mellow but flavorful. Like, Do you enjoy Connecticut mm -hmm. cigars yourself a lot? Do you feel like you want to put more of those out there? Or? No, I've never really been a big Connecticut guy. We did a brand called Luminosa right. a few years ago that kind of filled that niche, and it never really spoke to our audience. Mm -hmm. I think the crown head smokers, at least domestically, yeah. tend to gravitate more towards the the darker, the heavier, the, you know, like, oh, I want something that's a little bit stronger kind of a thing. Like Luminosa never really performed well for us. We still produce it, um, but in small quantities. I've never been a big Connecticut guy. I, I do, I will admit that like my palate has gone from, you know, that Macanudo Hyde Park yeah. all the way to like, you know, then it's like wine. You start with like, a, a, you know, like a white wine, like a, a, a what is white wine? A freaking Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. Then you yeah. go to like a, yeah. a Pinot and then a, Rosé, and then you go into, before you know it, you're drinking like bold cabs and zins and petite Syrahs. And that, that's my palate kind of went that way. And now I'm kind of going back to like stuff like Mildias, okay. which is not as aggressive. It's more nuanced. And I'm enjoying cigars like with that flavor profile. Because I, I, I go back to a, a, a guy that maybe Pete even referenced. He's, his name was George Brightman. Yeah, Still course. around. And he's, I mean, one of my mentors. Um and he always he told me, he's like, you know, cigars shouldn't be something that challenges you to smoke them. It should be something you enjoy. It shouldn't hit you over the head, you know. And there's a component of the, the domestic market where they, they look for that. They want something that's like this nicotine bomb that yeah, makes yeah, them sweat. Yeah. And they're like, there's, where's the pleasure yeah, in right. that, you know? It's the difference between sipping a drink or you just want to do a shot and get fucked up. Yeah. You know, go ahead. That's not yeah. what we want to do. Yeah, then so smoke cigarettes. I've kind of... Yeah, I've kind of gone full circle with that. And I'm like, I, I'm working more on nuanced stuff. I mean, um, a smaller example of that would be the cigar we did called Mother Church, mm -hmm. um, which is a really fantastic cigar. And that blend was more nuanced and it wasn't like really super heavy. Mm. Um, so that that's what I kind of like to smoke. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not the, the typical crown head smoker probably yeah. either. <laughs> yeah, George is an absolute legend. I was on a show with him uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, really? So you know, you, you've met yeah, him? Yeah, I've talked to him many times been... through like uh, Light Him Up. It's an online show, if you know. Uh, yes. Yeah, I've been on a, like, a panel with him a few, like a couple times. And he's the best. Like he, I just sit like a sponge he and tries is... to soak up everything. <laughs> I'm the same way. I still send him samples, blind samples really? to evaluate. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A... He's I... When yeah. George speaks, I listen wow. yeah, 100%. Yeah. He was... He, there's so many stories, but back in the, back in the heyday of Cigar Aficionado magazine, yeah. which I would say was probably like the late nineties, early two yeah. thousands, that guy, you would go anywhere in New York or any city 
and like every maitre d would know who he was mr brightman come this way you know <laughs> come to your table you go if you had, if you had dinner with brightman it was an experience yeah. you know he'd, he'd bring him a bottle of like he want this chateau of the feet da, 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 da. <laughs> and they bring him the bottle then he touched the bottle and go no let's cool it down two more degrees bring it back that kind of a, he was like one of these guys presence yeah, yeah this yeah. this presence and I a plethora of knowledge about cigars yes. like he knew you know what i mean he he wasn't he never even had a smartphone but he knew how to get a hold of carlito fuente you know how to get a hold of Lito gomez yeah. george padron the list went on he was the connector Damn. and um that was my that was my mentor for many years definitely <laughs> i learned so much from george about the business great guy super impressive with he is. People, you know? His yeah. knowledge is insane, and his yeah. palate is ridiculous. <laughs> I've seen him. You could put five cigars blind, and he'll nail at least three, if not four, out of them, and tell you, "Oh, that's a Juan Lopez special selection." Damn. He's like a sommelier of, of cigars. Yeah, that's <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. We got uh, another question here. Then, um, is there any type of uh, tobacco you would like to work with in the future? Uh, We we work with a ton of them right now. Mm. To be honest with you, everything from like you know, the typical Havanos to Ecuador, Connecticut, Ecuador. We work with Sumatra. We work with. I've even tried some hybrid Sumatra wrappers from Ernie. Um, what about Cameroon? To a ton. Does that interest you? Not interested. Really? Not at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all. What? I love no, Cameroon I, wrappers. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't like. They're problematic because they're they're a they're super expensive. Yeah, that's true. And b the the breakage is ridiculous. It's such a frail, thin wrapper. And I just, there's never really, I can't think of any like cigars that stand out in my memory that were Cameroon okay. cigars. That was, that was a hot wrapper okay. back in the day. Yeah, And we see the land of a Cameroon. It's very good, but I have no interest in working with Cameroon. Okay, yeah. At all. Yeah, that's a person. No, I just love the, I love the Don Carlos, the Arturo Fuente Don Carlos line. That's the one that I. Oh, that's a great cigar. That's mm-hmm. the one. Number three. Don Carlos number three. It's like uh, it's like a little five by forty-eight yeah. or maybe forty-nine. It's, it's a smaller, beautiful room, cigar. Beautiful cigar. Yeah, I like that Batola a lot. Definitely. No Cameroon. I can't think of anything else. I mean, that Desflorado wrapper that I told you about that Willie had. Yeah. I mean, that would be kind of fun to mess with. But I don't think I could get a huge. <laughs> you have to also think about yields yes, and stuff. Yes. And what, really, can yeah, you yeah. can you make this? Can you make this cigar next year and the year after? That's kind of true. Thing, so. You're kind of at the mercy of that as well. All right, so last question here. Uh, and uh, we kind of choked with the timing here. Last year when we had Pete on, it was like right before the, the NFL playoffs and we had a chance to ask him predictions. And we all <laughs> said the sure. we all had the worst predictions ever, so I hope no one no one bet based on whatever. But did you – I don't remember, yeah. Are you – are you because I've seen the, the crown heads like Raiders-inspired hats. Are you a Raiders fan, like with your California background? Yeah, I was when I was a kid, okay. mm-hmm. and I was growing up, and they were in Oakland. I grew up in San Francisco, so I kind of bounced between the 49ers and the Raiders. Right. But I, you know, I, I mean, it sounds kind of lame, but I really don't have a lot of time to follow sports now. <laughs> okay. So I don't really, you know. I, get it. Yeah. I mean, somebody asked me if you watched the Super Bowl, and I was just like, I, we watched the halftime show. <laughs> so it's music. The, the, That's your thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would much rather, if I had free time, I'd much rather listen to music or watch a film or watch a film over and over again or something like that but okay. sports is not really a huge thing in my life especially in a house with two girls i yeah. got my wife and my daughter it's like 
it's kind of hard to like yeah. squander away the time to go i'm gonna go watch a football game for three hours <laughs> yeah no you're not yeah so no no yeah. i i liked the, the raiders logo i love their yeah, uniforms that's why i kind of read one of their hats and uh yeah it's it's good stuff yeah, but did you see the the national anthem? I mean, I've I've watched rewatched that one uh, a lot mm-hmm. now. It was pretty uh, good. Yeah. Chris Stapleton. It's because you bet the yeah. over on it a lot. That's why. You, no, you're just you're just not. basking in your. <laughs> <laughs> in your no, I, I I did not watch. I didn't even know Chris Stapleton performed. It was yeah, actually, no, he actually, did the national anthem, and I mean, he's from uh, yeah, he's from Nashville. Nashville. Uh, yeah, I actually saw him perform. This is a true story. I mean, people are gonna probably hate me for this but i saw him in i think it was 2015 i took my wife and my brother-in-law to the ryman which is like the best venue to see anybody we had great seats mm. to see chris stapleton he was just kind of really blowing up and everybody's like oh it's chris stapleton <laughs> and i just remember nodding off <laughs> in the seat like this and my wife was like damn like, what are you doing and i'm just, oh, man, I was just like i was like falling asleep i just just didn't do it for me i I don't know. Maybe I was tired, but that uh, wasn't a wasn't a big deal to me. So yeah. So. Okay, interesting. All right. Well, well, thank you so much, John. We're, we uh, cannot thank you enough for pleasure. Taking, my pleasure for giving us so much time on this. It's, it's yeah. A great ah, it was, it was awesome. fun to chat. I was looking forward to this. Definitely. Awesome, dear. Yeah. All right, yeah. boys. Check out uh, check out John's podcast with Tim. Uh, the first episode is Oz Heads. Like I said, it's, it's much better quality yeah. than this already. So you already got one. Yeah, zero that one. took <laughs> a, long, a long time to figure out the name. I was just like, <laughs> Oz Heads. Okay, we'll run with that. We literally. <laughs> it's good, man. It's good. <laughs> it actually it's catchy. I mean, we need a name. I'm like, okay, Oz heads. Okay, let's go with that. So yeah. Yeah, you're just create your creative creativity runs on autopilot now, right? So it's just uh... sometimes I don't know. I don't know. They're not all winners, believe yeah. me. I can tell you that for sure. But yeah. All right, guys. Well, it's been a it's been a pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you, man. And I'm, I'm glad to see that the 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 younger generation still has an interest in what we do. Oh so. yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for that. Appreciate you guys. And thank you guys Appreciate for listening you, as always. Catch you guys in the next one. Cheers. 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 Cheers.